Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. And I believe, and I'll see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way. And I believe, and I'll see you do it again. And do it again. welcome you into this place oh thank you Jesus Lord we wait on you we invite your presence into this place right now God we worship you and magnify you in this place we know God that you can do it again Lord Lord, that you can move in mountains God nothing is too difficult for you Father we glorify you we magnify you in this place Lord we surrender our lives to you right now Father We surrender everything to you, Lord. Have right of way, God. Have right of way right now, God, in our lives, God. Lord, touch us and minister to us, God. Help us today, God. We call upon you. We cry out to you today, God. Help us today. Lord, we thank you for your word that declares in Isaiah 41, Lord, that we don't have to be afraid nor discouraged, for you hold us with your righteous right hand. Lord, that you are here today, Lord, to help us and to minister to us. And Father, we give you glory and we give you honor today. And we love you, Jesus, and we praise you. We praise you today, God. And we love you, Lord, and we thank you. Hallelujah. As the music continues to play in the background, you can be seated this morning. I love that song because in the beginning of the songs, in the beginning of that song in the first verse it says I thought by now the walls would have fallen have you ever felt that way in your spirit have you ever had a situation in your life where it just seems like it's unmovable unchangeable impossible and you felt like you know what God I've walked around these walls I've done what you've said, I've praised, I've worshiped, I've prayed, I've confessed, I've quoted scripture, I've done everything I know to do, and I thought by now the walls would be down. Have you felt that way? I can feel it in this place. I I can feel a heaviness in this place, and, and I can feel that people today are carrying with them a burden we carry with a burden and sometimes what happens when, when answers don't come and they're prolonged, we, we resolve ourselves. I guess this is just the way it's going to be. And that is such a lie from the pit of hell because God says it doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be this way. I'm going to say it again to you. It doesn't have to be this way. I don't care if we're dealing with a marriage. I don't care if we're dealing with children, finances, physical ailments. I don't care. It doesn't have to be this way. Jesus has provided. He has made a way. Can you say amen? He's made a way. And he says, I will do it again and again and again and again and again. I will do it again. And I believe today he's in this place. He's in this place to minister to us. I've I've asked the worship team to stay on stage just for a little bit because I do want to minister to you before we get into things. And we're going to just see what God does, okay? Is Is that okay? Is that okay to see what God will do? And to be honest with you, I begin this morning with somewhat of a heavy heart because I'm convinced that What we need is not another sermon. Listen to what I'm saying. What we need is an encounter with our Heavenly Father. Can you say amen? So many people today, so many people are not experiencing the freedom that Jesus paid for on the cross. 
They're just not experiencing it, nor are they possessing the strength, the spiritual strength and growth that comes with being a child of God. This is something that, that concerns me deeply. It works on me as a, as a pastor and as your pastor. I, I, I think about these things and oftentimes it's a weight. And, and the other day as I was putting notes together and thinking about what God wanted me to say, this became very, very strong that God wanted to do something in this place. See, because there are many in this place right now you're weak you're 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 struggling you're stunted in your growth it's it's not because you're a bad person or evil person or or because you're 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 somewhere sideways it's because the devil has done a number how many know that the devil it doesn't play fair can you say amen and what's happened is we've bought into some things and and what happens is we end up remaining handcuffed to a painful past. How many, today you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of us are carrying wounds from the past? We're carrying things, things that have hurt us, things that have come against us, things that people have said and done that have hurt our lives. They've, they've hurt us and we carry them. And God says, I want you to release them to me. I want you to release that to me. I want to take it and I want to heal it and I want to deal with it. Some of us today are stuck with habitual sin in our life, habits and things that we can't seem to break its power over our life. We keep falling in the same patterns over and over again. The same thing. It, it doesn't matter what it is, but it just we keep stumbling over the same rock over and over again. And others, we've got these destructive behaviors in our life. And what happens is it works against us and, and we start carrying that burden. And literally what's happening is we're unable to control what's going on. And we're living far beneath the place that God would have us to be. We're living with bondages. We're living with difficulties. We're, we're living in, in a place that God never intended us to live, especially in light of what Jesus did on the cross. The Bible declares to us in the book of Hebrews, it says that Jesus saves to the uttermost. The uttermost. See, you think as far as you need to think, and Jesus says, I saved that far. Everything is under the blood but we still live with it and we shouldn't live with it. Can you say amen? And we carry it and we hold it and God's saying, I want to carry that for you. I want to take that and I want to heal it. But the problem is church, we hang on. We hang on, don't we? We hang on to those things and, and, and they, they begin to work against us. And I was thinking as I, I was putting this together and thinking about what God wanted to say, I was thinking about the demoniac. Do you remember that story in the New Testament? Jesus told the story about the demoniac. And, and the, the, the story is, is that this man had become so burdened down. Literally, the Bible says he had a legion, a legion of demons that were tormenting him. The world's idea of fixing it was to chain him to a tree. See, the, world, the, the only thing the world can do is put you in more bondage. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But even that didn't work because the Bible says that he would break his chains and he would run amok again. Have you ever noticed that the world's idea, oh, it worked for a little bit, but then in the end it never, pale, it never pans out, does it? And this problem, this thing called legion in his life, it drove him to a place where he's now living in the tombs. He's running naked and vulnerable in the tombs, in a place of death. But then one day something remarkable happened. Jesus came to town. And the presence of God was so irresistible that this man was drawn out of that place of death. And he ran to Jesus. Think about that for a moment. The presence of God. Jesus just shows up on the beach. He, he shows up, gets out of the boat. He's standing there. And the presence of God is so powerful that this man came running to Jesus. It wasn't the demon. The demon's not making him do this. If anything, the demon is trying to make him go the other way. 
But what was ever left of this man rose to the surface and said, you are not going to stop me. And the will of this man became stronger than what was trying to hold him down. And that man ran to Jesus. And in a moment of time, that man is seated and clothed and in his right mind. In a moment of time, there was no therapy. There was no confession and all these things. It was a moment with Jesus. A moment with Jesus. And church, as I stand here today, that's what we need. We need a moment with Jesus. Can you say amen? A moment with Jesus. And I believe he wants to touch you. So we're going to do something just a little bit different today. If you're in this place, and I don't care if you're on the worship team and you're here and you need this, we'll sing a cappella if we have to. I don't care. If you need deliverance, and when I talk about deliverance, we, we conjure, I'm saying you need some freedom. I'm saying you need breakthrough. I'm saying you need relief. I'm saying you need transformation. You need healing. You need forgiveness. You need rest. You just need something. I don't even know what to call it. You need something. I want you to come up front right now. I want you to come up front right now. You need this. And we're going to sing this song again. We're going to sing this song again. And we're going to worship him. And if, if you don't need something, if, you're gonna, if you stay in your seat, I, I just want you to sing with us. And I want you to join your faith with me. Join your faith with me. And I want you to just begin to believe God. And we're going to sing this out. So let's just, let's just take a moment and sing this out. If you're, if you're still waiting, come on up front. That's okay. You can come up front. And let's, let's, just, let's just sing right now, Jason. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And I believe. And I see you do it again. You made a way. Where there was no way, and I believe, and I see you do it again. I see you move, you move the mountains, and I believe, and I see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way, and I believe. And I see you do it again Won't do it again And I've seen you move You move the mountains And I believe Oh, I see you do it again You made a way where there was no way and i believe and i see you do it again i see you move you move the mountains and i believe and i see you do it again you made a way where there was no way and i believe do it again do it again walking around and walking around these walls and I thought by now they'd fall And but you have never failed me yet And waiting for change to come And knowing the battles For you have never failed me yet. 
all your promise your promise still stands great is your faithfulness your faithfulness and i'm still in your hands this is my confidence you never fail me yet oh Oh yes, and I know the night won't. Your word will come to pass, and my heart will sing praise again. Jesus, you're still here. within your love and my heart will sing your praise again your promise still stands great is your faithfulness your faithfulness and I'm still in your hands This is my confidence You never fail me Your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness Your faithfulness And I'm still in your hands This is my confidence you never fail me yet I've seen you move and I've seen you move you move the mountains and I believe and I see you do it again you made a way where there was no way and I believe and I see you do it again I see you move you move mountains and I believe and I see you do it again you made a way where there was no way and I believe I see you do it again and do it again Thank you, Jesus. We glorify you in this place. Before you go back to your seats, let me just say this to you. And for everyone that's in this room on stage, standing in the altar and seated at your seats, Jesus is here for you. He is here for you. I know sometimes, that's why I like this song, is because the beginning it says, it seems like the walls should have fallen by now. That is so rich because it's so real. Because as human beings, it doesn't always happen as fast or as often as we like. And we, I don't know that I can ever give an adequate answer to that except to say it is not God's will. It is not God's will that these walls and these, the, the, these hindrances, these hang-ups, these, these hurts, these wounds, it is not God's will that we carry them. 
It is not. The, God doesn't use God these kind. The, he does not use these kinds of things to teach you some lesson. You may learn something from it, but He's not in heaven saying, "I'm going to teach you a lesson," and so therefore He torments you. He is a good Father, and He loves you, and He is not distant. He is very close. The devil is a liar, and the devil will tell you that God is distant, but I'm telling you, He's not. I'm telling you that his word says he is right here, right now. Now somewhere, somehow, we have got to muster. If there's anything that we've got to do, we've got to muster the will that overrides everything the devil is saying. That is the point of the demoniac. He rose up. He said, you know, I mean, he could have had every excuse under the book. He has probably been prayed for a thousand times. He has probably had people chant over him, do incantations over him. They have probably done all manner of things over him to set him free. And none of it worked. But it's when he ran to Jesus, when he finally said, I've had enough, that Jesus was on the scene. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Ever since that day, Jesus has been on the scene. I'm telling you, he's here right now. He's here. And I know you, you're, you're probably saying to yourself, you and I've heard this all before. And you may have. You may have been in services like this before. You may have had the best of the best pray for you before. But today is your day. Today is your day. And today is the day of freedom. Now is the day of, today is the day of salvation. Right now. Right now. And he wants to set you free. Can you say amen? amen? And he wants to deliver you. And I want you to go back to your seat. Those of you, I know there's some that are still seated right now. There's some that have not yet responded. It's okay. It does, it's not required. There's, there's some pastors who would say that, you know what, you missed your moment. Well, you know what, my God's not that mean. You know what, if you didn't come, you know, then reach out to him this afternoon. Go get alone with him and say, you know what, here I am. And I believe you're here too. And he'll be there for you. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. You can retain, return to your seats. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to let the worship team go. You guys can be seated. You know, we, we have a vision. And we've kind of boiled our vision down to three words. It's on our wall in the foyer. Grace, hope, transformation. And we want to be a place. We want to be a church where, where people... Not just, not just the outsiders, not just those who have yet to experience Jesus, but anyone, no matter where they're at in life, can come in, find grace. Find grace, that divine enablement, that divine ability, that, that grace that empowers us and helps us, that lifts us up, that takes us by the hand into that place of hope where we for the first time in a long time look around and go, you know what, God? I feel like there's actually an answer. There's a future. And that we can walk into transformation. That we can literally be changed from the inside out. That everything can be different. That's what we want. But church, what we have to do is we have to contend for that. Even with the demoniac, he had to run to Jesus. What would have happened if somehow he would have thought in his mind, I'm too far gone. It's too much. He's not strong enough. There's no hope for me. He would have stayed in that place of death until that became his reality. He would have stayed right there and he would have lived and died only being just a faint memory of another crazy person in life. That is not the plan of God. Can you say amen? You know what happened after that man got delivered? He became one of the greatest evangelists recorded in Scripture. 
He wanted to go with Jesus, but Jesus said, no, no, you don't need to go with me. You go home and tell them what good things Jesus has done for you. And the next time that Jesus came through that area, which was called Decapolis, which meant 10 cities, they all came out to greet and meet and celebrate Jesus because of one man's testimony. That's what we're looking for. That's why we come to church. That's why we're here today is so that we can be free. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Go ahead, John. You can put that title screen up. I'm not going to take much more of your time because I'm probably about 10 10 minutes, 15 minutes here, and then we're out of here, okay? But I want to share with you something that, that the Lord put on my heart, and I believe that it is so important this whole, I, this whole idea of living what God has given us, to live in the fullness of God, to live in the fullness of God. Even when I examine my own life, I find that I'm not living the fullness of God, that there are many things in Scripture that I'm not seeing. There, there's things that, that God promises that I'm not enjoying. There are things about the Christian experience and walk in life that I have not seen yet in my life, and I want that. I don't know about you, but I want that fullness. Can you say amen? And there's something about that identity, because it's that identity that defines who I am, that identity as a child of God, as a son of God. Can you say amen? amen. As a, and for ladies, for, as a daughter of God. That I am, in fact, a king and priest before him. That I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That I am the body of Christ, a member of the body of Christ. Can you say amen? amen. I want to be able to walk in that fullness I don't want to be tormented. I want to overcome the torment. I don't want to be sidelined. I I want to be ready and able to go at a moment's notice. I want to be filled with his presence. I want to enjoy hearing the softness of his voice. I want to feel the power of his mercy and grace in my life. I want to feel his presence. Can you say amen? Amen. But I, I, I believe there's something that we've got we've to get through. I, I believe there's something that has got to happen in our life. And I think that probably one of the ways to see this is through the story that's found in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah's story is such a powerful story, and if you take the time to read it, you'll find that in the beginning chapters of, the, of Nehemiah, it relates a story that, that to you and I, if we'll take the time to examine what's being said here, it represents our life, even though it happened thousands of years ago, it's happening every day today. And in the book of Nehemiah, in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17 through 20, it tells us this. It says, and this is Nehemiah speaking. He says, then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. You know, I love that statement right there because Nehemiah is identifying something. Jerusalem was a key city in the mind of God. Jerusalem was the city of God. Can you say amen? This is the place where the presence would live. This is where the temple was. This was everything that God was doing. It was centered around this one place. But in this story, the Jerusalem is a reproach. And he goes on and he says, I told them of the hand of my God which had been good upon me and also of the king's word words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to do this good work. But when Sanblat and the Hornite and Tobiah, the Amorite official, and Gresham, the Arab, heard of it, they laughed at us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? So I answered and said to them, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will rise and build, but you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. Now, the reason this is such a powerful story is because of the history of this. Because years earlier, what had happened is Israel had fallen into sin once again. You remember 
They always ran after false gods and they would run amok and you know what, somewhere along the line God would try to bring correction to them but they would resist him and they would end up in rebellion and the long and short of it is it had consequences and they were taken into exile and the temple was destroyed. And they were taken into exile under a king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. And God came to them and said to them, look it, I need you to get used to this. I need you to get used to because you're going to be in this situation. You're going to be in a timeout for 70 years. And so what you need is you need to go ahead and just pray for the prosperity of the guy that's holding you because if he's prosperous, you'll be prosperous. And he says, you need to build houses, have families, and you need to go on living because you're not going to be set free for a while. But then the day came when God set them free, and a man by the name of Ezra took it upon himself, and he went back to Jerusalem, and the Bible says they built the temple. It took several years, and they rebuilt the temple, and they brought the presence of God back to Jerusalem. And there they were, they had this, this thing, but something unique happened, and it seems to be so human because what happened is that they got done building the, the temple and the presence was back and restored and they got tired and they grew complacent and they just kind of sat back and said, that's good enough. But the, the work wasn't done. Oh, they, the presence had been restored, kind of like you and I when we get saved. We get saved and Jesus comes into our life and the presence of God is with us. And we, for the first uh, couple weeks, months, years, whatever it might be, we're thinking, you know what, things are really good. And then all of a sudden, we kind of settle into a rhythm. And we kind of withdraw our hand and we get used to things. And we go, that's good enough. The problem was with Jerusalem is the walls were still broke down. And so what that meant is they were vulnerable because you see, in those days... A city without walls was vulnerable to attack. They were vulnerable to anyone that, and everyone that wanted to come in and plunder them. Oh, they had the presence of God. The presence of God had been restored. Worship had been restored. But they are continually under attack. Have you ever felt that way? Here you are saved. You're right with God. You've given your life to Jesus. And you know that he's in residence in your house. But somewhere you're constantly under attack. This is so much our story right here. And you have to ask yourself, why is it? Why were they always under attack? They were always under attack because they had no walls built. In fact, it, uh, Nehemiah goes on to say that their glory was being lost because they did not have the walls built. In other words, they, they had some unfinished business. Can you say amen? And so somewhere in their life, they had just kind of drawn back and they said, it's good enough. Church, it can never be good enough. We can never take our foot off the gas pedal. We need to continue to move forward. We need to continue to break through and continue to push into the things of God. Can you say amen? amen. It's, so, it's so human, and I see it so much. It's like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, I'm, man, I'm doing really good. I, you know what, Pastor, I'm not like what I used to be. And somehow we think that that's good enough. It's like, well, you know, I, I, I know I'm not what I should be, but at least I'm not what I used to be. See, there's a subtle lie in that. Because what happens is then you'll remain tormented. And furthermore, your ability to do what God's called you to do and to be what God's called you to be will be forever hindered. And so what happened is another 90 years go by from the time of the rebuilding of the temple. 90 years goes by, and the walls are left in ruin. Finally, a guy by the name of Nehemiah hears from one of his brothers of all that's going on in Jerusalem, and it moves him so much that he literally risks his life he risks his life to go to the king and say, I need to go to my homeland. Nehemiah was a cupbearer before the king. In other words, what he did is he tasted the wine to make sure there was no poison and then served it to the king. And his job was to taste the wine and keep his mouth shut. 
It was a death sentence to even speak to the king without being spoken to first. But he goes to the king and he's in there and it does happen. His countenance is low. You could see he's bummed out and the king says, hey, Nehemiah, what's going on? And he speaks to him. And he says, you know what, Jerusalem, my hometown, the glory is lost. They're being attacked, they're, being, they're vulnerable, and you know what, something's wrong with my hometown. This moved him. And the king at that point just really went, well, that's too bad, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. But Nehemiah goes to prayer. And he begins to pray and he formulates a plan and he says, you know what, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna ask the king if I can have a leave of absence to go do the work of the Lord. And the Bible says that he comes back in the next day or a few days later, whatever the time frame was, and he goes to the king and he says, oh king, if I found favor in your sight. That was a death sentence right there. But he did find favor. And so much favor that the king says, listen, I'm gonna basically write you a blank check and you go get the supplies you need to do what you need to do on your way back. And oh, here is a letter that every road stop or every roadblock you come to that you have my permission to do this job. Amen. This is an amazing favor. And the Bible says that he comes back and that he, he comes back into town and immediately he begins to survey. He begins to look around and he sees what needs to be done and he starts the work. He, he stirs the people to work and this is where the verse that we just read, he's stirring the people. And the people say, let's do it. And they set themselves to restore the wall. And here's the end of the story. What they could not do in 90 years, Nehemiah did in 57 days. That's the power I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. And as we bring this down and, and really kind of look at this, I, I want you to think about what they did. I want you to think about what Nehemiah did. Because I think the pattern that Nehemiah demonstrated in rebuilding the walls is the pattern in rebuilding the real you in, in this place. You know what the first thing they did? The first thing that Nehemiah did was he surveyed the rubble. You know what he did is he went out and he got honest. And he, was, he, he says, you know what, I, I'm going to look at what's really out there. He went and he surveyed the rubble. Every one of us today have rubble in our lives, don't we? We have the debris of bad days. We have the trash of horrible mistakes. We have the broken down material of things of the past strewn about our life. And see, the problem is, is too many of us try to rebuild on top of the trash, on top of the old rubble. But Nehemiah doesn't do this. What does he do? He goes and he surveys, and what he's finding out is what is good and what is bad. He's finding out what they can still use, and then he gets rid of what they can't use. There's actually a verse in Nehemiah 4.10. It says, then Judah said, the strength of the laborers is failing, and there is so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. You know, at church, I feel like that is such a statement for Christians today, especially in this day. You say, why especially this day? Because this is the day we're living in. Especially in this day. So many of us are still dealing with the rubble of the past. We're dealing with the rubble of our hurts, our wounds, our sins, our difficulties, and we're still dealing with it. And what they had to do is they had to go remove the rubble. They had to get rid of the old wall, the old life that prevented them from building the new one. And you know what the problem was with that? Is it's manual labor. They had to go do it. I don't know what the rubble is in your life, but church, I could tell you, you can't afford to ignore it anymore because you won't be able to build the new life on top of it. You won't be able to build what God wants to do. You, oh, the presence is there. 
You've been saved. You're saved. That's great, and that's wonderful. But there's so much more for you. But you're vulnerable. Aren't you tired of being attacked? Aren't you tired of living through the, 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 the nonsense of those that want to come against your life? Then what we need to do is build up the new one. See, there's something about the new life that protects us. There's something about this new life that changes our perspective and our mind to see things differently. It takes the sting out of the attack. It absorbs the words that are spoken against us. It gives us the strength to stand in spite of what's going on. There's something about the new life that is real and rich, and it helps us. But the only way that the new life can rise to its fullness is that we have to get rid of the old. You say, well, what do I need to, you need to assume responsibility for your past. You gotta get honest, you gotta confront the chaos. So many of us, we would, all we wanna do is hide it. We wanna press it down. We want to hide it. We need to confess it and release it. We need to let it go. And you say, what do you mean, Pastor? I'm saying literally in a prayer room somewhere, you need to say, Father, this event in my life, I take it right now and I give it to you. I take this hurt and I forgive the one that hurt me and I release that hurt to you. This thing I release to you right now, Father. I give it to you. And every time he brings something up, every time he shows you, every time he says, you know what, that's a little bit wrong. Say, you know what, Father, you're right. And I release it to you right now. I surrender it to you right now. And once we start removing the rubble, what we'll begin to see is the new life will begin to build. The second thing that he did is once the rubble was removed, he began to lay the foundation. They begin to dig deep. Church, we have to dig into our relationship with the Father. We cannot afford, church on Sunday morning is not enough. It's not enough. If all I did was ever let you eat is one, one meal a week, it's not enough, is it? We have to have daily sustenance. We have to have daily food. The Bible talks about the word of God being desired more than our necessary food, that we have to feed upon God. We have to feed upon his word and upon who he is. The only way we can walk in relationship with him is to walk in understanding of his word, to walk in him, to know him, to know him by name, to know him and what he does. We have to lay the foundation. And then we have to build the wall. We have to line upon line, precept upon precept, consistently lay one more block. You know what that is? That's discovering who you are. That's coming into that understanding of who God created you to be. Seeing yourself as God sees you. Not as others see you, not as you see yourself, but as God sees you. Understanding what the word of God says about your life, who you are and what you're capable of. And then living that out, walking it out, line upon line, precept upon precept. Building the wall. And then we have to learn to fight those that oppose you. Because if you study the story of Nehemiah, you're going to find that there was great opposition to this wall being built. And I could tell you today, there'll be opposition to the wall being built in you. The devil doesn't want you to know your identity. The devil doesn't want you to know your God. The devil doesn't want you to know the word of God. See, the devil, if he can't destroy you, then he settles for derailing you. If he can't destroy you, then he will neutralize you. He doesn't mind if you go to church as long as you don't do nothing about it. He doesn't mind that you raise your hands and sing choruses as long as it doesn't affect you. He doesn't mind that you have a Bible as long as you don't study it. And he doesn't even mind if you read the Bible as long as you don't apply it. He doesn't mind, and he wants to fight against that, and he will do exactly what these guys did. These guys were horrible. I, you know, if you go back and you read the book of Nehemiah and read what they're saying, it's almost like listening to Fox News. It's almost like listening to CNN. It's amazing. The devil is not creative. He is one note. That's all he could do is lie. He has no creative ability. 
And once you learn how he functions, you got it down. And you know what he wants to do? He's, he wants to deceive you. There were times that in Nehemiah, they, it was so funny. These guys, they came up with a plan and they started accusing Nehemiah of stealing the money and the, the supplies that were to go for the wall. He goes, yeah, you guys are building this wall, but your leader, he's living high on the hog because of that. And Nehemiah came back with it and says, you know what, I haven't even taken the allotment that I'm actually given. That's, it's amazing how often that comes up. Then, then, then what they did is they wanted to negotiate with him. Come on down to the Valley of Ono. If the devil ever calls you to the Valley of Ono, here's the advice. Go, oh no, devil. I'm not coming. I'm too busy. I'm busy doing the work of God. I don't got time to come negotiate with you. I've got something I need to do. See, the problem is, church, we come into the presence of the devil and we listen to him. If it isn't in the word, then it's not God. The Bible says that God loves you. The Bible says that he is a gracious, forgiving father. So many times I hear people go, God's mad at me. You show me one place in the Bible where God got mad at his children. Now, I know you're going, oh, I could show you a lot of places. Just go to the Old Testament. The Old Testament God isn't the God we're serving today. The Jesus that I served, he was gracious to the woman caught in the act of adultery. He went, and act, uh, he went and had lunch with tax collectors. He hung out with sinners. And the religious leaders of the day got mad at him for it. Because Jesus had an objective because he loved them. You know what? Back in the Old Testament, God had an objective. There was something that God was trying to do. And even in the midst of his anger at sin, he was not angry with his people. He was brokenhearted. And he knew the consequences that sin would bring. See, oftentimes what we confuse God's anger is the consequences that come from sowing and reaping. And we think, well, God must be mad at me. The last time God really got upset, the earth didn't fare too well and there was only about seven people that survived it. The problem is, is the devil wants to tell us all kinds of things about God and lie to us. And he fights us and he tells us, oh, you know what, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. I can't tell you how many times, and I'm finishing up if Jason wants to come. I can't tell you how many times, I can't tell you how many times the devil comes to me and says, you know what, John, you've been in ministry a long time. And you know what, you could probably write out the rest of your ministry just by being on coast. You got a good church. They'll follow you for probably another 20 years. Quit pushing. Just coast through this. Just, you know what? You got a great job, man. You show up at 7.30 in the morning. You could go home at noon, go eat some chocolate bonbons. Occasionally you, you counsel. You know, you watch a little TV. Don't worry about all that, John. My gosh, you deserve a break today. You know what, John? You've done really good. You've got 30 plus years in the ministry and, and it just don't matter. Just chill. Just chill out. Quit pressing. Quit pushing. For heaven's sakes, quit pushing those people to know more about God. They'll get it in their own time. You hearing that? You say, why? Why, why? why is that? Because the devil wants us to just chill. He's figured out he can't destroy me, so he wants to derail me. He's figured out he can't destroy you, so what does he want to do? He wants to derail you. And we got to fight it. You know what? I'm going to push until my last breath. I may slide into heaven crying, snorting, snotting, and being upset about everything, but I'm sliding into heaven with everything left behind. I'm going to give it all. I'm going to lay it all on the table. And I tell myself that, and there's times when the devil comes in and says, just quit. Go back. Hey, go. You know what? Your wife makes good money. Mama keeps you in a lifestyle that you're accustomed to. Just let go. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm going forward. I don't want to fight. And you say, well, what happens when you don't seem like you have any fight left? 
Well, the Bible tells us to cry grace unto it. Grace, grace unto it. You know what? I cry grace all the time to this church. Grace, grace unto it. Because there's days when there's nothing left in me, but he is in me. And he's got more than enough. Can you say amen? Why don't you bow your heads just for a moment today? Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, that you're here with us. I thank you, God, that you've made a way, God. Lord, that you have given us this word, and I thank you that you've met us this morning. And Lord, that you are moving in our midst. And Father, I do pray, Lord, that these breakthroughs, God, would come. I pray, Lord, for everyone again that came up and those that didn't come up, that need, God, that moving of your spirit. Father, I pray, God, that you touch them. Father, we're so desperate for you today. We need you, Jesus. Come on this scene today, God. I wonder if every head is bowed and every eye is closed. If you're here today and you'd say, you know what, I don't know Jesus as my Savior. I'm not right with God, and I need salvation in my life. If that's you, would you lift your hand? Amen, I see that hand. Someone else. Amen, I see that hand. Someone else. You need Jesus. Amen, I see that hand. You can put it down. Someone else. I need Jesus. We'll give you just one more minute. Amen. Several of you raised your hands. Would you all pray with me this prayer? Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life to forgive me of my sins, to be my Lord and my Savior. I give you my life now, and I surrender to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Isn't God good this morning? Hallelujah. I'm going to ask real quick. If our ministry team would come up, those that pray for folks, if they would come up and um, just pray with people. If you raised your hand for the first time, or you haven't raised your hand before, or you'd like to, even now, you'd like to say, man, I'm thinking this through. Come on up and see one of them. Let them know. Tell one of them that you gave your life to Jesus. Or if you have a need of any kind, let them pray for you. We're going to stand. God bless you. You're free to go today. You guys have a great Sunday afternoon. Amen. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.